0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So I've spent my research career focusing on the phenomenon of mothering, and I'd like to start with a video that I think uh, does a good job illustrating why I find mothering to be so phenomenal. The maternal instinct is sometimes greater than the instinct for one's own survival. And you can see this wild rat was caught chasing a predator, attacking this predator so that it would release her baby, or pup, as we call it. Um, And my favorite part is the last part, where after the, the snake releases the pup, she actually continues to run after the snake and continue to attack it, just to make sure that it gets the point to stay away from her nest. So certainly this behavior is not limited to uh, wild rats, but we can see these kinds of behaviors in the laboratory as well. This is a rat from my lab, and we were weighing her pups one morning. She's rearing them in a semi-natural environment, so this is outdoors. And you can see she wasn't having any of it, and she retrieved each one of her pups back into her nest box. So rats aren't the only ones that care for infants. Maternal care is a defining characteristic of mammalian behavior. And this uh, behavior is really motivated, and it's also unconditional. So as we saw in these videos, moms care for infants across multiple contexts, even when those contexts are quite challenging. So it's not escaped my attention that uh, not all mothers are committed to the survival of their infants, unfortunately. Um, And this is quite predominant in humans. So we've already heard a little bit about this earlier today, but the statistics are really quite staggering. So 3 million annual reports of child abuse in the United States, many of these incidents go Without report, so I think this is probably a conservative estimate. Five children die every single day due to abuse, maltreatment, or neglect, and actually a large portion of abuse or maltreatment is neglect, failing to care for infants, failing to provide basic food, water, shelter, um, protection from harm, as well as of course emotional support. Every ten seconds is how often abuse gets reported. So These statistics, for me, were really staggering when I read them. Um, And I think what I find most outrageous is that despite the prevalence of neglect, we know almost nothing about dysfunction in the maternal brain. Um, And to me, this is a huge gap in our literature that um, we really need to focus on. So today, I want to propose, first and foremost, that studying mothers has merit if we want to understand how to prevent child neglect, I think it's important to understand what causes a neglectful parenting style in the first place. And with respect to this, I want to talk about my hypothesis for one of the ways that I think neglect might emerge, um, and that's related to Uh, disruption in experience-dependent plasticity within the maternal brain. And specifically, I'm talking about neural systems that have been identified in rodent models that we know are important for the onset of mothering behavior. And these systems are changed during this transition to motherhood. to both increase the likelihood that positive responses are displayed towards infants, but also, and importantly, to reduce the likelihood that some negative, fearful, defensive type of response occurs when moms are interacting with infants. So my laboratory has addressed these issues using rodent models, and I think it's important to take a moment and talk about why I think that studying rodents can tell us something about humans. So first and foremost, What we know about the neurobiology of parental care actually comes from work that was conducted in rats. So rats have been a really important model organism for studying caregiving behavior. They reproduce well in the laboratory, they have short gestations, um, but what's really I think most important is that they don't form selective attachments with their young. And so when we talk about selective attachment, I'm talking about this idea that a mother would recognize its own infants and distinguish its own infant from other infants and provide care and support only to its own own infant while actually actively avoiding um, or rejecting the advances of any other infant. Um, I'm not really interested in mechanisms that underlie infant recognition, and that's why I think it's important that um, rats allow us to study questions about motivation to interact with infants more generally. Um, and we can therefore use foster infants when we conduct studies with rats and with mice to ask questions about the capacity an animal might have to show caregiving behavior, regardless of whether or not it's actually appropriate for that animal to show caregiving behavior at all. We don't have to worry about lactation, variability in the health of offspring, any of those things. We can ask questions about how does this animal respond to infants? How can we turn caregiving behavior on? In this regard, I think one of the um, greatest things about using rodent models is we can ask questions about turning caregiving behavior on in males. So, rodents are uniparental, like most mammalian species, it's the mother that provides the sole care. But because we can use foster pups, we can ask questions about what turns on mothering like behaviors in males. And I won't have time to talk about that today, but I think it's an important um, point. So the first indication that experience might be an important regulator came from work that was done studying the onset of maternal behavior in rats. And this work was conducted by Allison Fleming. And at the time, people were really interested in hormonal changes that happened around the time of birth that functioned to synchronize birth with the onset of maternal motivation and the onset of care. Um, and those hormonal changes are undoubtedly important, but Allison really wanted to ask what happens with what happens in a situation where mom isn't allowed to interact with her infants anymore will those hormonal events produce a long-term change in how she perceives infant stimuli or is it the experience of interacting with infants that's really important? So to address this, she separated mother and her offspring right at the time of birth. And what she found is that this separation actually completely blocked the onset of caregiving behavior and produced this state of infant avoidance. So rats are not particularly keen on interacting with infants if they haven't given birth to their own. And so these animals kind of reverted back um, as though they had never given birth to offspring at all. So this is uh, a graph you can see from her her paper. On the left, you see um, animals with no experience So those that were completely separated from their infants literally took days to show any caregiving behaviors at all when presented with foster infants. Um, Animals with full experience that naturally interacted with their infants at birth were immediately responsive to young. And so, again, what's important about this is that although hormonal changes that are associated with pregnancy and birth are important, They certainly aren't producing any lasting effect in and of themselves. Instead, it's interacting with infants in the context of those hormonal changes that's so important. So she concluded, experience is necessary for care. And when I started my own lab at UC Davis, I was actually interested in the opposite question. So if we can um, remove experience and completely obliterate the onset of maternal behavior at birth, Can we deliver experience to animals that have never been pregnant? And can we get these animals to show a level of caregiving behavior that's on par with what a new mother would show? And I did this work using a mouse model. And I had to give them a challenging task. So rodents are very neophobic. They hate new things. This is a novel environment. And I was asking whether they would be willing to rescue infants in this novel environment, rather than try to find an escape route for themselves. And what I found is that if they had no experience at all with infants, they'd never seen an infant before, they were more likely to spend all their time on the maze trying to find a way out. However, if they had as little as as eight hours of experience, as you can see, um, they retrieve pups back to the nest. And so this graph actually represents a meta-analysis from my lab. I've shown this now several times, replicated it on a number of publications, and these are all of the data lumped together. And you can see that around 80% of females with no experience at all Um, avoid infants, look for an escape route on the maze, whereas as little as eight hours of experience produces a completely different effect. And what I found to be most exciting when I ran these first experiments is I thought new mothers respond to infants with high levels of motivation, and that tends to be consistent for a long period of time. And so I said, what happens a month later? And what I found is that a month later, even though these animals had not had any additional interactions with infants, really seems like some plasticity took place because they responded in exactly the same way. So I concluded then that experience with infants in the absence of pregnancy and birth can promote maternal care, it can block avoidance, and therefore experience is sufficient for care. So I was excited when I uh, conducted these studies, and it kind of led me to think, well, If experience is so critical for caregiving behavior, what if neglect is actually related to some disruption or dysfunction in experience-dependent plasticity? And I had to ask myself the obvious question. Is neglect a failure to learn? But is this relevant at all to humans? Is there any evidence at all that experience is involved in human parenting? So I scoured the literature, and lo and behold, I found that there is a lot of evidence that increased contact between mother and infant um, just after birth can promote attachments, can promote um, maternal care for years beyond that period of time. But I found one paper that I thought was particularly compelling, um, and this work was done in the 80s, and at this time, it wasn't very common for mothers to actually be able to interact with their infants after birth. The infants were typically taken to a nursery unless the mothers were financially well off enough to afford their own maternity suite. So in this paper, uh, the authors looked at mothers that were considered to be high risk. So these were very young women. low socioeconomic status considered to be high risk for potential abuse and neglect. And they conducted a really simple manipulation. Half these women were upgraded to a maternity suite in which they could spend just a few extra hours with their infants on the day of birth. And then the authors followed these women for years. And what they found is that women who had experienced this rooming in manipulation were significantly less likely to uh, show any signs or show any uh, pathology in their parenting On the other hand, control women that were subject to the standard procedures of the time had substantially more instances of child abuse and neglect. And I thought this was really compelling evidence. So in my laboratory, what we've been focusing on is trying to understand the neurobiological mechanisms that regulate caregiving behavior and, importantly, prevent neglect. And in thinking about this, I've turned to what we know about the neurobiology of the onset of care, again, work that comes from rats. And this work suggests that not only do maternal neural systems need to be turned on for motivation to occur, but also infant access to defense fearful circuitry needs to be limited, needs to be turned off. And so there are kind of these two distinct neural systems that need to be manipulated in order for the appropriate response to infants to be selected. So to get a little bit more specific about what I mean, when I refer to infant stimuli um, and behavioral responses, I'm talking about sensory cues from the infant's vocalizations, odors, etc. And I'm wondering how these cues lead to these two distinct behavioral responses, neglect versus care. We know from rat literature that there's a defensive neural system that can be activated before a female becomes maternal, before the onset of care. And my work recently in mice has shown that when females are ignoring pups on that novel maze, we see an activation of this same defense system. On the other hand, caregiving responses are associated with activation of reward pathways within the brain. And the idea really is that the medial preoptic area, which is the central site for maternal care, it's an important region in the hypothalamus that we know regulates caregiving behavior in many studied species, likely plays a role in coordinating appropriate responses by simultaneously inhibiting the activation of this defense system and activating the activation of this approach system in response to infant cues. And so the idea is that sensory cues from infants might reach this defensive system to induce neglect, but once plasticity has occurred in the mPoa, the mPoa inhibits that activation. So even if sensory cues are still capable of reaching this defense system, they don't result in any neglectful behavior. And then simultaneously, this approach system is activated to induce care. So in my laboratory, um, what I've been particularly focused on over the last few years is trying to understand how this plasticity occurs within the medial preoptic area. And specifically, if we think about hypothetical neurons which project to these two different systems, I'm interested in how pup cues alter gene expression. So the idea is that infant cues, which are processed by receptors at the cell surface, can induce cascades, which function to alter the activity of regulatory molecules that then affect which genes are expressed, when these genes are expressed, to mediate plasticity or change the way these neurons respond to infant cues in the future. And through this plasticity, we've hypothesized that there is a permanent reduction in neglect and a permanent upregulation and care. So in summary, caregiving behavior is critically regulated by experience. We've seen that. Understanding how experience sustains care and prevents neglect I think has really critical implications for child neglect. Work from rodent models indicates that Infant neglect occurs when infant cues fail to activate a neural reward system and instead activate a neural defense system. And I think the key to understanding the neural basis of neglect is to uncover the critical events that happen within these neurons of the medial preoptic area, which then program the appropriate neural system and hence appropriate response to infant cues. So I just would like to acknowledge members of my lab who have contributed to the ideas and work I've shown here and, of course, also my funding from NICHD. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.